you're tuned to Triple R and you're listening to Breakfasters with Jeff, Geraldine and Sarah. Dr Tanya Hill is the resident astronomer at Museums Victoria. On Thursdays until the 25th of May, she's running a special event at the Planetarium at ScienceWorks in Spotswoods entitled Discover the Night Sky. To talk about that, she's joining us in the studio. Welcome to Triple R. Oh, thank you. Great I, to be here. I it's, think you've got the coolest job of anyone that we've interviewed ever. An astronomer. Those who have never been to the planetarium, perhaps you can describe what it is, what happens there and what you'll be doing. Oh, um, so what I love about the planetarium is that we get to recreate the night sky. Uh, and so you sit in really lovely reclining chairs and above you is a 16 metre dome. And on that, we can put up the stars and the planets or we can go right out across the entire universe and see how our universe is made up of galaxies and where everything is. Yeah, it's pretty pretty amazing what we can do and the technology that's available. So there. it's an enormous projector? Is that how it works? So we actually have to use two projectors. Each one covers half the dome. Uh, and then even within each projector, they get four different feeds. So, in fact, what you're looking at is eight different images that then all seamlessly come together on the dome. I'm always yeah. amazed that it works so well. <laughs> don't, 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 don't. It kind of feels like you're whizzing through space at times when you, you're in your mirror as well, which is quite an amazing effect to have. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Do astrono- astronomers still gaze at the sky with either with a telescope or the naked eye, or is it astronomy today all about computers and high technology? Yeah, look, most of it is about computers and, and gathering data. I know even... Um, when I was a PhD student, I applied for time with the Hubble Space Telescope oh. and I missed out, unfortunately, oh. which I was quite depressed about. And when I told my nan, uh, she had this huge relief and grin on her face. I'm like, well, well, you know, I'm really quite upset about this. And she said, Tanya, I was just so worried about you going into space to use oh. this telescope. <laughs> <laughs> oh. yeah, so that was the first time, yeah, that I had to explain to her that, no, we, we don't have to go into space to do that. The data comes down to us. And, in fact, even now... On telescopes, because most telescopes, you want them built as far away from population as possible because we don't want light pollution. Uh, And then also we love them to be up where it's uh, quite high and dry. So they're not really great places to be. So you can still go and observe at some telescopes, but a lot of them, the data will just come to you wherever you are in in your office. But, you know, I, I think many astronomers, though, still enjoy looking at the night sky and I think most people as well you know it's a beautiful Mm. beautiful piece of nature. I was going to ask you that because I love you know like I love going and lying on the beach or wherever I might be and just staring at the night sky and for you know dazing up do you ever just do it and are you able to turn your brain off when you stare up there and not be putting everything together? Can you just stare up at the stars and Um, and love the stars? Oh yeah absolutely absolutely I mean I think that's it's to me, looking up at the night sky is kind of a great way for your troubles to just disappear because you realise, you know, the stars up there, people who, everyone who has ever lived on the earth across thousands of years have looked up at pretty much the same stars. Yeah. They're still there. They'll still be there in forever away, this, um, you know, shining so so beautifully. And, and it just makes you realise that we are this tiny little speck. Mm. And while that makes you insignificant, it's also kind of empowering as well to realise that, yeah, it's just, we're just part of it all and, and off we go do the best we can. You're like... Timon, Simba and Pumbaa all in yes. one. <laughs> <laughs> I love you say that. I love that quote. Uh, space you. in general, though, 
blows my mind. And sometimes I cannot wrap my head around what is happening out there, how we are here, how it's it's like just going and going and where and like you said, we're this tiny little sometimes insignificant dot. And what are some of the things that blows your mind about space? Yeah, well, one of the big things that we'll be talking about this Thursday night at the Planetarium is the mystery of dark energy. Uh, Because, of course, about 20 years ago, as we reached the end of, um, you know, the 1990s, the end of last century, we were almost at that point where it's like, maybe we do have it all figured out. But we we knew that that wasn't... You know, every time people in the past have said that, then something crazy has happened, mm. you know. And they are going, yeah, but we've, we, we now know we live in a galaxy. We now know there's all these galaxies. We're kind of mapping them all out. What else is there to know? And, of course, that's when they discovered this crazy thing that we call dark energy, this idea that uh, the universe, it's not just expanding from the fact that it, it started in the Big Bang and it's been expanding ever since, but mm. that expansion is actually getting faster that stars and galaxies are getting pushed apart. It's almost like an anti-gravity force. And what's causing that and why it's going on? We've, we've got no idea. And it turns out that it, it makes up about 74% of the universe and we don't know what it is. Are so, we any closer wow. to knowing what it is? Uh, is look, that something that will happen? Not, not at this point. Where, um, so at the moment uh, there's been some great... Uh, surveys that have gone on. Uh, One is called Wiggles that was done here in Australia. And so it's looking at uh, the distance between galaxies. And so it has confirmed that this expansion is happening. It is getting faster. But why it's doing that, you know, who who knows? Is it it part of space itself? Is it vacuum energy? Is it... Well, we understand once we've, you know, we've got this amazing theory for understanding atoms in quantum mechanics and then Einstein's theory helps us with the large scale, the the gravity, and we can't combine those two. So maybe one day when those two get combined, dark energy will just fall out. Who, Who knows? But it's a... It's an exciting time to be in, to think that there's all this still to be discovered. Oh, yeah. The other exciting development that a lot of people have been talking about is the Cassini mission oh. and its um, expedition to Saturn. What have been the most significant of the discoveries to come from that? Oh, ha- hasn't it been amazing? And to think, I always love, like it was 20 years ago that it was launched. What kind of technology were we using 20 <laughs> years ago? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and yet this spacecraft is still going so well. Uh, look, I think... One of the uh, most amazing ones was uh, there's a tiny little moon around Saturn. It's only uh, 500 kilometres across, so it's really small. Uh, and yet Cassini discovered that it's got these water ice geysers. <gasps> that are, so it's, it's obviously got some sort of energy source to be able to heat the water and have it spew up above the, the um, moon, which then means that, yeah, it could actually be a place where some kind of early forms of life may may be there wow. on this tiny little moon of Saturn, which is pretty <sighs> impressive. And, of course, what Cassini's doing right now, so it's it's um, become a bit of a daredevil as its mission is ending. And so it's now travelling between the gap between the planet and where Saturn's beautiful rings <gasps> start. So cool. Yeah, it's amazing. Wow. So it's doing 20 dives every week. It dives through the rings um, and eventually in September it's going to actually smash into Saturn <gasps> itself. It's so like the equivalent the of, of the mission. getting old and just going bungee jumping. Yeah. And <laughs> <laughs> 
Do you have um do you have a favorite constellation of the night sky or a favorite star and for what reasons that you Oh could... yeah. Um so actually I kind of have two of them. Uh so one is the Southern Cross, oh. uh because you know we can only see that from here in the southern hemisphere. Oh. It's the smallest of all the constellations mm. in the night sky. Uh and it is the one it's the one that you know helps you find your way. It's it's what we need to use to find where South is uh, in the in the night sky, so that's that's a lovely one. And the other one, well, there's kind of two. For winter, um, you want to be looking at Scorpius, and in summer, you want to be looking at Orion. And they were the three constellations that my dad told me about back when I was a little girl, and actually scared of the dark of all things. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh wow! Yeah, we often laugh about this now, but yeah. So I was scared of the dark, so he took me out and showed me. He, um, you know, I thought he knew everything, which of course yeah. dads <laughs> always do. Um, but they were the three constellations that he knew, and he shared those with me. And oh. you know, so ever since, I've always just looked up stars to look for them. I feel this is probably a bad precedent, but somebody on our text messaging system wants me to ask what the last bright planet or star we can see in the morning eastern sky from about 4am out my bedroom window. Yes, and I managed to catch, I'm not normally up at this time of the morning, but I managed to catch it this morning as well. It's Venus, beautiful Venus. So uh, when we see it in the morning, it's often referred to as the morning star. Then we know it's not a star, it's a planet. And then um, at other times of the year, it'll be shining lovely in the west after sunset when it's the evening star. Oh. Yeah, it looks very, spectacular at the moment. Very nice. And so this series, Discover the Night Sky, people can just go to just an individual one? That's right. Yep, yep. So uh, you can just come along to, you know, all of them or, or just whichever ones ones you like. Uh, it's all online on the ScienceWorks website. They've got all the details uh, there about it. And you so. can book tickets there as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so they start about 7.30. Uh, we do a session in the planetarium and then afterwards we have some wine and cheese and have lots of discussions and chats. And if the weather's good, and it has been uh, so far, we have have our telescopes set out on the arena so you can see the rings of Saturn and the moons of Jupiter and some of the other lovely things that are in the night sky for yourself. Wine and cheese under the stars. Sounds like a date night. (laughs) The session's called Discover the Night Sky. It's on a planetarium, as we've said. We've been talking to the person behind it, Dr Tanya Hill. Thanks so much for coming in. Oh, lovely chatting to you. Thanks, guys.